You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. This episode is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them on Instagram at OklahomaHOF or online at OklahomaHOF.org. My guest today, wow, I'm super excited for this one. Been trying to get this episode for a while. Finally got a chance to sit down with him. Uh, my guest was inducted, funnily enough. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame back in 2017. An incredible entrepreneur in the hospitality industry, opening up... Op- uh, opening up over 500 restaurants in his 50-year career and continues to open up restaurants with his concepts now. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Hal Smith. Down in, uh, we are in Norman, right? We're in Norman City Norman, Limits. Oklahoma. Down in Norman, Oklahoma with uh, Mr. Hal Smith. Um, if you don't know the name, you'll know a lot of his restaurants. I'm not going to name all of them because there's a lot, but I'm going to name some of them. Uh, Charleston's, Louis, Pub W., um, you know, uh, Hefner Grill, the Winston, Red Rock Canyon. So uh, definitely check out the website, howsmith.com, and you can see a lot of the great foods, locations that he has. I'm sure you've eaten at one without even knowing it. Um, really appreciate your time. Really looking forward to this and sharing your story. Uh, how did how did it start? We, I guess, were, were you born and raised Oklahoman? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up and I was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I grew up down there. My dad was... Uh, superintendent, uh, manager of the lodge and cabins down there. It's a beautiful lake. And uh, I was a young guy. I was four, five, six, seven years old during that time. And I had a chance to go to the lodge with him quite often. Yeah. And they had a real nice restaurant there. They had a nice bar there. And uh, so I got a little flavor of, and I didn't even realize I, I enjoyed it so much. And I hung out with the cooks and I'd go in the kitchen and I'd, I'd bust tables. In those days, it was okay to bust tables at like eight years old. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where I got my first taste. And then I uh, moved to Oklahoma City uh, shortly after that and uh, graduated from U.S. Grant High School. Uh, met a lot of good people there, and then I came to OU, uh, and and I started in the restaurant business here in Norman. It was called Across the Street Restaurant. It was like it was a hamburger joint uh, serving uh, onion rings. We were, I think, we were the largest Coors account in the state at that time, and uh, had a lot of fun doing that. And I was gonna, in my mind, I wanted to be a lawyer, and okay. I had, you know, with a couple of people that I knew that were lawyers, and I always had high respect for them. And uh, I went home one day, I'll never forget this, and my mother said, uh, what are you going to do with your life, you know? And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the LSAT and, and try to get into law school. And she said, I'll never, just can't, her words were ringing my mind today. She said, are you going to have fun being a lawyer? And I went, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I think a job is a job, and I'm not sure you're supposed to have fun right. working. She said, you better take another look. She goes, what do, you, what do you really like to do? I said, well, I like school, and I really enjoy working in the restaurant that I'm in. And she said, why don't you give that a go? And I said, you know, that's not a bad thought. And so that was 71, you know, 1971, right in the heart of Vietnam. 
uh, I knew if I dropped out of school, I'd be, you know, I'd have to be drafted and go and go yeah. serve in my country. Uh, but I had, I ran out of money basically. And I put my, myself through school basically, okay. you know, with, yeah. bought my car insurance, everything. And, uh, I dropped out of school to make money, and uh, sure enough, I got my draft notice. Yeah. And I went down to take my physical, and I'd had asthma all through my childhood, and I flunked the physical. And uh, good or bad, uh, I was free to go to work, and I, I ended up working full-time in the restaurant business for a year or two. And then the guys who owned across the street asked me to open up the Cross Timber Steakhouse, and that was here in Norman also. Uh, and that was a long, long time ago, but opened up the first one. And I, I, at that time, the hot concept was steak and ale. Okay. And it was in Oklahoma City, and there was one, two open in Oklahoma City. And I would take my girl, my girlfriend, uh, to dinner there, and I kind of got some ideas. And I ended up uh, hiring some of their cooks and some of their waiters, and some of the recipes uh, came with them. And uh, we opened up, and we great success. And then yeah. I moved to Amarillo, Texas, opened up number two, and uh, great success there, too. Um, and one day I was back working the door here in Norman and a gentleman walked in with a, two gentlemen, actually, they'd been playing polo. They had a polo field here. And one of them said, uh, by the way, I had your, I was shaking hands. And he said, what's your name? I said, Hal Smith. He said, uh, I had the steak and it was marinated and boy, it tastes a lot like steak and ale. And I'm sitting there going, I'm kind of smiling. I go, boy, it's real close. You know, and he <laughs> said, uh, you know, my name's Norm Brinker, and I'm the founder of Steak and Ale. And he goes, I thought he was either going to hit me or sue me. I didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, you know, I don't mind uh, being ripped off if it's done with class. Yeah. And he said, I think you've done this with class. And he said, here's my card. If you ever get tired of doing this, sure like to have you go to work for Steak and Ale. And I thought... Wow, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And uh, so I went back to work, you know, and, and about a year later, I, I got married. And uh, I knew in the back of my mind, everything that I had learned thus far was through hit and miss and uh, the school of hard knocks, so to speak. So I, I thought to myself, I've got to go get an education in, in the real business world. Mm -hmm. And so I drove to Dallas, uh, unbeknownst to the people that were owning uh, Cross Timbers. And I... I called Norm Brinker, and I said, I'm the guy that you met at Cross Timbers. He goes, I remember you. What's your name again? I said, Hal Smith. He said, yeah, come on in. We'll interview you. So that was in uh, 1973. Uh, honestly, I'd just gotten married, and, yeah. and, I, and I, he said, we're going to hire you. He said, and I had I'd only lived in Amarillo and Norman and Ardmore at that time. And he said, uh, where would you like to live geographically? And I said, I'll go anywhere, any place, any time. I just want to go where the opportunities are the greatest. And he said, well, we're going to send you to Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's fine. So, and, you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have furniture. We didn't have anything. I had no credit. Uh, moved to Columbus, Ohio. We bought some uh uh, lawn chairs that we sat in and then we got an air mattress that we mm -hmm. blew up and we slept there until we got credit. So we, I paid my dues and I, you know, I went through all the training that yeah. they had from bottom to top. Uh, and one day they came to me and said, we'd like for you to be a general manager of your first store here in Columbus. And, and I opened up a brand new store, a lot of fun, learned a lot and, uh, didn't really look back too much. And I never dreamed what would happen after that. And mm -hmm. it, and it's been what I call the American dream and, and quite a ride. Yeah. Um, 
they said, we want you to move to Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan is not my favorite in my mind. It was not a favorite city that I wanted to live in. But I thought, you know, I told them I wanted to go anywhere, any place. So I moved to Detroit right in the middle of a recession. And uh, this is in 1975, 76. And uh, it was a tough, tough deal. But I had to open up brand new stores. So uh -huh. I opened up three or four. Uh, and that was in the middle of the disco era. And yeah. uh, so... I didn't tell Steg and Ale what I was doing, but in the bars, I made them a little bigger. Uh, with with I got the approval from Dallas, the home office, and we opened up our first disco. And we had a big mirror ball, and I hired a disc jockey, and you oh, could yeah. you could not get in the place. It was quite something. That's when you know Donna Summer and the, and KC and the Sunshine Band mm -hmm. and all that. They were all popular at Bee Gees, and uh, we opened up, and lo and behold, we were the highest volume store that Steg and Ale had, especially in alcohol. Yeah. And then we opened up number two and number three. The chairman of the company, Norm Brinker, the guy I was telling you about, flew into town un unannounced with his daughter because they did, they weren't in the liquor business. They were in the food business. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he flew in. I picked him up at the airport. He said, uh, I want to go see your, your stores. This is for lunch. So we, naturally, you know, lunch was lunch and it was all food. And he goes, how do you run such big liquor business? And I said, well, let's come back tonight. So we, we showed up about 9.30 or 10. He had his daughter with him who was playing tennis, and she was pretty hip. So he, Norman didn't drink, and he, he I don't, didn't know if he ever danced or not either. You know, yeah. one of those kind of guys. Great guy. So we walk in, and the mirror's going around. You couldn't get in. It was so full. And so his, his daughter, Brenda, said, Dad, this is so cool let's dance. And I'm sitting here going, wow, here's a guy that doesn't drink. And she's asking him to dance. Yeah. So he got on the floor and they start dancing. And he comes back to me and he said, you know, I hadn't had this feeling of steak and ale in a long time. He said, you've got the chemistry going with all your help. Mm -hmm. uh, people are smiling, having fun and enjoying the food and the beverage. And uh, he goes, I sure like what you're doing. And that, that was about the time I was having my first child, and he had complications and had to stay in the hospital. We had no insurance. The company didn't have insurance. And I'm telling you this because it kind of builds up to what happened to me later. Uh -huh. And uh, Norm, Norm said, Hal, what would you change in the company if you could change something? I said, I'd, I'd sure look at your insurance program, and uh, you know, we, we need to put some kind of a policy in there that, that covers pregnancy and, mm -hmm. and birth. And he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, I told him about my son. And he said, how much did it cost you? And I said, $6,000. In those days, $6,000 yeah. was a lot of money. Yeah. I didn't have it, and I had to borrow it. And he said, 6000 He goes, boy, I didn't know. He said, I thought we had that insurance. I said, no. He sent me a check for $6,000 and implemented the policy yeah. all, all in one week. And I thought... This is the kind of guy that I want to be. I, I want the integrity of this, this guy. And also enjoyed working for the company and for Norman. Um, I went, and I'm telling you this because it is part of a journey. I, I went from Columbus, I mean, I went from Columbus to Dayton, back to Columbus to Detroit, Michigan. From Detroit, they gave me a 12-store 12, 12 territory. I lived in Nashville, Tennessee. From Nashville, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I had 50 stores that I was overseeing. I was 
one day I was uh, talking to my wife and we were getting ready to, they were going to move me to Greensboro, North Carolina to open up some new stores. And I told her how much fun I was having. And uh, I got a phone call from Dallas. Norman was on the phone. He said, hey, need all the area directors coming in. We're going to make some changes in the company. And I said, all right. So I showed up. We had a meeting, and then afterwards he said, Hal, I want you to come out to the house. I want to have dinner with you and, and the then-president, Lou Neeb. So I did, and uh, Norm looked at me, and he said, Lou is now going to be the chairman of Burger King because Pillsbury owned our company. Okay. Pillsbury also owned Burger King. And uh, I said, gosh, Lou, I said, boy, we hate to lose you as our president. And Norm looked at me and said, who do you think should be the president of the company? And I said... I said, you know, I've got mentors that, that helped me along. And I was a young young guy. I was 30, yeah. 33 years old, basically. And uh, and every time he'd say no, and I went through all the officers of the company, and he'd say no. And and I said, are you going to bring somebody in from the outside? Because our culture is so strong. And he, yeah. goes, he goes, no, I'm not. He said, you're going to be the new president. I said, Norman, I said, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I said, but I'm 33 years old. I yeah. didn't, honestly, I didn't graduate. Didn't, don't, I don't have a college degree. Didn't go to law school. Didn't go to Harvard. Didn't go to Yale. I don't have an MBA. He goes, that's even better. Yeah. He goes, we need new blood. We need somebody that doesn't have blinders on. Come in here and kickstart this thing and get it going again. He said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to have a meeting. Get your, get your head together. Mm-hmm. The thoughts that you think we need as a company. Get all the officers in a room. And uh, the, the head of operations in the room, talk about the future of the company, what needs to happen in your mind, and get their opinion, you know, their input. So I'm sitting there thinking. And he said, I'll tell you, as they leave the, the meeting, shake their hand and say, if you, are you on my team? And although you're going to be the youngest one in the room and you've worked for most of them, if they flinch, you got to fire them. Yeah. And I thought... Wow. wow, this <laughs> okay. is a real deal. Yeah, and he said some of them I've, I went to college with, and some of them uh, probably won't be on your team because they want to be the president. Mm-hmm. I said I can tell you right now, Norm. I said we're going to lose the head of Steak and Ale. We're going to lose the head of Bennigan's, and I respect them and love them dearly. He said, "So be it. Let's find out what happens." So we had a meeting, and and as there, you know, as as things happened, I lost the head of Steak and Ale. I uh, lost the head of, of Bennigan's. And uh, I called Norman. He happened to be in Argentina playing polo. And I said, well, it happened. And he said, good. He goes, that's fine. He said, now, who do you want to put in there? So I brought a guy in named Mike Jenkins who had worked. I'd, I'd always had a, a, a great respect for Mike. Mm-hmm. Brought him in to run steak and ale. And I brought a guy in named Chris Sullivan. And Chris uh, I'll tell you that name a little bit later because it is a very important name in my yeah. in my life. Uh, he ran Bennigan's. And in those days, we had Bennigan's Steak and Ale, Racehorsen, building both of them. We were opening up a restaurant about every 10 days. And, wow. uh, and we had, you know, it was a, nearly a half a billion dollar company. We had, I think, total of about 35,000 employees all over the country. And uh, thinking about, and and also Pillsbury was part of that, you know, part of that mm-hmm. scheme. And uh, so I got Chris in the room, and then I got Mike Jenkins in the room, and we kind of got got our heads together, what needs to happen. And I went to Pillsbury and told him our story and where we were going to take the company. And for the next three and a half years, uh, we we took the company from 
about 420 million to 750 million in sales and and along with it the profits yeah we were at one time we were the largest uh, we were the fastest growing part of Pillsbury we probably had the best return on investment Pillsbury and we were the shining star and they were they were letting they were funding all of our growth and it mm-hmm. was a, it was a, a exhilarating time so I did that, and and that lasted for three years, let's say three and a half, and then one day Norm came to me and he said, "Hey, I'd like we need another concept." I said, "All right," and uh, he said, uh, "Go out and find one and bring it back and see if it fits." So I got my marketing uh, VP Ron McDougal, got his opinion. He's very very intelligent guy, and we went out and we had lunch at a place in in uh, Dallas. It was on Greenville Avenue, and. Uh, Greenville turned out to be Restaurant Row in, in Dallas. Uh, I'll never forget going in. I'd never been in this little place. And it was serving hamburgers and serving milkshakes and a lot of margaritas. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were 10 stores they had across the country. And I got to know the chairman, uh, Larry, Larry Levine. He, he was, a, he was a, really an intelligent, smart, witty, and had a great palate for America, you know, what they liked to taste. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, this would be a little company we could we could absorb and grow. I took it back to Norman. He said, gosh, it looks interesting. I, let's look at the financials I did. He said, now I want you to go to Pillsbury in Minneapolis and, and share the story and see if they want to buy it. So I did, and I presented it. And uh, Bill Spoor, who was the chairman of, of Pillsbury, said, Hal, sounds like a neat deal, but right now we're trying to buy a Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And, and the multiple is... is you know, we don't want to mess with the multiple on yeah. this thing. So if you can give us six months, we'll take another look at it. I said, I think, I think this, I think Larry's in play now. I think this company's in play. He said, well, we can't do it right now. So about 30 days goes by and all of a sudden the newspaper heading says this little company sells to Saga Corporation out in California. Yeah. Well, that little company was Chili's. Oh, you're kidding me. Norman, Norm Brinker. Came, came, he called me and he said, gosh, you were right. And I said, yeah. He said, give me the financials again. So we, we went through them. About three or four days goes by and he came in and he said, uh, let's, have, let's have lunch today or breakfast, actually. So we had breakfast. And uh, he said, <laughs> Hal, I've got great news and I've got great news. And I went, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. He said, well, the, the great news is you are the new chairman and CEO of what was called SNA Restaurant Corp. Uh, you're now uh, in charge of uh, nearly a, you will be in charge of a billion dollar company because they're gonna roll popping fresh pie shops into you. Also, when they buy Haagen-Dazs, they're gonna roll, roll Haagen-Dazs, the yeah. dip stores into you. So it'll be a billion dollar company and you'll be the, you'll be the, the head guy. And he said, you'll probably have, that'll probably be the most powerful job in the United States so far as, Full service restaurants, right? And I, I, I was just beside myself. I said, "Wait a minute, Norman. Where, where are you going?" Yeah. He goes, "The guy that owns Chili's, Larry Levant, had a week to make a decision to sign the dotted line." And I talked him into selling it to me, him, Norm Brinker. And I said, "How much do you pay?" And he said, "I told him I would, I would take him public within a year. I'd give him X amount of shares." I didn't pay him anything up front. I don't think he did. Yeah. And he said, but he, but he said, I, I promised him I would take him public. I said, so 
we're not going to be working together. He said, no, now you're a Pillsbury guy. Yeah. Now, now you're the guy. And I, I had mixed emotions about that because I was 37 years old at that time. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they, Pillsbury's a wonderful company, golly. They, they, they treated me like a king. And, uh, but I was traveling all over the world, and I was, I was honestly gone mm-hmm. all the time. And I, and I had two kids and a wife. And I, I went home one day. She was backing out of the garage. And she said, I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I've loved you for who you are and you're not that guy anymore. You're all yeah. business. And, and, uh, and I got to thinking about it and I, I really did feel obligated to Pillsbury as much as I did to my family, which is right. wrong. And I said, if you'll give me a few months, I'll figure this out. And, and I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose my kids. Yeah. So that, that few months went by, I got a phone call from Norm Brinker and he said, are you having fun? And I said, fun is not the word. I'm working hard and I enjoy it, but I'm not having fun. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll cut your salary in half if you'll come to work as president of Chili's. And I said, he said, but I'm not going to entice you any more than that. And, you'll, you know, you have options and things. So versus me just jumping over there, I knew I had to leave Pillsbury. I, yeah. I just had to do it knowing that I could go to, to Chili's, but I had another offer here in, in, uh, in uh, Oklahoma that I wanted to, it was a kind of start my own business kind of a thing. So I, I left the most powerful job yeah. and I, I ended up going to Chili's as president. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Norman and I became very close in our relationship and uh, along the way, I got a, and I was making, you know, good money, uh, had some good options, and I'd been there a w- quite a while, you know, and we had developed and started rolling out chilies. Um, I got a phone call from a guy in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and he said, we need somebody to come in and turn around this company. And I'll tell you what I was making at Chili. I was, I was making about 200000 a year, and that mm-hmm. was a lot of money for, for anybody, but yeah. for me especially. And I had a car and a few things like that. This guy called and said, we need a turnaround, somebody to help turn around this company. And it was a Mexican food concept called Chi-Chi's. I, I said, not interested. Um, I'm happy where I am. I'm in Dallas. And I said, I think my wife would kick my rear end <laughs> if I told her we were going to move again. Yeah. And, and he said, well, I'll call you back next week. Think about it. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to mess with this guy a little bit. So he called. And I said, here's the deal. I said, I've got to be able to make a million dollars a year and uh, a new car every two years and options, a couple of hundred thousand options. And I did. Right. I just throw stuff Throwing out. it out there. Throwing to it just, out yeah, there. whatever. Yeah. He goes, okay, it's, it's yours. And I went, holy moly. <laughs> I, said, I said, look, I've got to go talk to the boss. Yeah. And she's home. Yeah. So I go, I'll never forget this. I go in and I talk. I said, Sandy? She goes, okay, you've got that look in your eye. What's the deal? And I told her. And I said, it will require us to move out of Dallas and me, you know, leave Chili's and go to go to Chi-Chi's. And uh, she said, well, what are they going to pay you? I said, well, I'm going to have the ability to, to make close to a million dollars. She goes, is there a Neiman Marcus there? <laughs> that, that, that incur- yeah. Yes. So off we went to, yeah. to there. And about three and a half, took about three and a half years to turn the company and to really being profitable. I uh, had a phone call from Jack in the Box out of West Coast. Mm-hmm. They wanted to buy us. We ended up selling. 
and uh, I, I worked as ch as chairman of Chee Cheese, and I was on the board of directors of uh, of uh, Jack in the Box, mm -hmm. and and uh, it was it was great. It, but I knew, and I told him, I said, look, I'm, I'll probably be here a year, maybe a year and a half, and then I've got I want to start my own company. Yeah. So that time went by. I moved back to to Norman, and in the process, I got a phone call from. Chris Sullivan, the guy that ran Bennigan's. When I left, he was already gone. He was, he was uh, opening up Chili's as a franchisee. Chili's bought him out. Mm -hmm. Then he started his own company. It was called Outback Steakhouse. Uh, he called me and he said, once you be my franchisee, I'll give you five states. Mm -hmm. You can build 20 stores or whatever. And I said, you know, Chris, it sounds good. So I flew down there to look at the concept, loved it, came back here. I got Hank Kraft, who is my partner, uh, Mike Rogers, who's another partner, and David Brockman, who's my CFO and partner. We're all four founders of Hal Smith Restaurants. Mm -hmm. Hank had already opened up one Charleston's and very successful. Mm -hmm. But we started building uh, another fellow named Don Elliott came on board from Chili's, and, and he helped. He and another guy named, uh, uh, I throw this out because they were very key, Jeff Austin, uh, helped roll Outback out. And we opened up uh, 19 stores in three and a half years. Chris knocked on my door one day and he said, we're ready to buy you out. And it was a $42 million deal. Uh, of course, I had investors and I had banks. I had to pay everybody off, but it still yeah. left left a nice nest egg for us to grow Charleston's. And, you know, you mentioned some of them a while ago. Yeah. And I'll just I'll run this off. I have to have a cheat sheet because there's just too many. Yeah. You know, we have 17 Charleston's, six Red Rocks, four Mahogany's, three Upper Crust, three Neighborhood Jams, one Hefner Grill, one Mama, Roja. And that's all under Hank Craft. Okay. And then the, the next person is another little culture, Brandon Kistler, and he runs the garage. There are 19 of those, Pub W5, uh, Winston's, there's one, uh, Notorious Pie, there's one, and that's Brandon's culture. Uh, another culture is Brett Kennedy. Brett Kennedy has all the Louis, and we have 14 Louis. We have one El Huevo, and uh, so Brett has 15 restaurants, and that's another culture. And then Ross Crane is my fourth operations head, and uh, he has Toby's, three of those, and they're, two of them are in uh, um, casinos, uh -huh. but they're both, they're all three 10,000 square foot plus, so it's a big animal yeah. to run. And then he also has Holly's Steakhouse. So with all those, and then I still own 16% of Ted's Escondido, okay. uh, Cafe Escondido, total of 94 restaurants that I have a part of and mm -hmm. part of our company. We have 16 different concepts, and uh, we've elected not to grow internationally, but to stay within our Oklahoma and contiguous states, with the exception of we're in Phoenix, Arizona, okay. and we're in, we're in uh, Indiana, Indianapolis. Any so, particular reason? Uh, yes. When I, when I was uh, with uh, uh, Chi Chi's, we had a we had a concept called Sharkies that we were experimenting with. Mm -hmm. And one of them was in uh, Indianapolis. Yeah. And so it didn't work. Okay. And so we had a real, had a real estate deal there that I had to. And so I called Hank and I said, mm -hmm. Hank, you want to open up another Charleston's? And he goes, I sure would. And so that was already in the works, gotcha. you know? So anyway, so yeah, we, we did it, did it that way. And then, uh, 
The reason why I went to Phoenix because my daughter went to Arizona State. I was going to say, yeah. either you like the vacation <laughs> in Phoenix or just yeah, like, yeah, you have family. I, I love yeah. Phoenix. Well, I just it's got beautiful. Back. Yeah. I, was, I was at uh, Waste Management yesterday at the golf tournament. Yeah. That's, everybody needs to go one day. It's, uh, have it's, you been? Is this the first time you've been? Fourth time. Okay. Yeah. And it just gets it's crazier cool. and crazier. Well, there are 250,000 people it's there amazing, that one that? day. Yeah. Just that one day. Uh, it's, I've never seen anything quite like it. And uh, you, you see all kinds. It's a millennial thing. It really is. Right. A lot of people, a lot of kids, not, not kids, but a lot of adults, young adults, dressed to the hilt. I it's mean, like a, lot a of music just, festival, right, for yeah. golf, with one golf hole, and that's it. You know? Yeah, and we happened to, I happened to have a banker friend that had a suite overlooking the 16th mm-hmm. fairway in green. And, uh, I mean, when they start booing golfers for missing the green, it's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. so it goes against golf, but in that case, everybody accepts it. It's kind of fun. Right, you know? yeah. So that's why we went to Phoenix. And, you know, and I look at it today, and, and we, we're coming up with new concepts. We're trying to grow six to eight restaurants a year mm-hmm. still. Uh, I have quite a few investors, and then we also have some great banks that help us, uh, you know, finance these things. Uh, you know, somebody said, "When are you going to retire?" And I, and and I, I always, I always say to myself, if I if I don't have a passion for something, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. having fun, get the hell out of it. Yeah. You don't you don't need to be there. And I and I try to teach that, not teach it, but I try to entice people to if they don't have the passion and the fun they don't wake up excited about what they're going to do go do something else right and so for the most part we've got a team of uh, we've got seven thousand employees and you know we have a team that pretty pretty cohesive and they're we're all driven by the same thing and that's yeah. to have fun yeah <laughs> you know and by the way make some money along the way which right. which it seems to have worked you know yeah and people also you know they say what what's your you know, philosophy, you know, what, what do you, what do you believe in? And I, there are several things, but integrity is number one. And no matter if it's my family or, or the business, integrity is the number one mm-hmm. thing. And, uh, I mentioned passion. You, you can overuse that word, but it is, it is a passion that I have. And, and, and a third thing is, is, uh, having a love for people. If you don't love people, basically love people. Now, you're going to get burned, and you're going to run into some real losers. And yeah. Everybody does. But you also have to know who those are and steer clear of them. Yeah. But, but I basically love people, and that, that, that was third. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough through the years to identify some winners and have surrounded myself with people a lot smarter than I am mm-hmm. and, and can do most most things better than I can. I can do a lot of things okay, but as long as I have that support of people yeah. that are smarter, like – this tech, I couldn't set this up for anything. I can run a computer and I can do my iPad and I can do my iPhone. You know, I can yeah. do all those things, but I have no technical sk- skills. I really don't. Right. So, but I do have some really, really like Stacy, you just saw. Uh-huh. Uh, she's awesome and she's got a great team. Marketing, I'm pretty good at certain things, but I've got a great marketing team. Uh-huh. Finance, accounting, all the above. More important, more, probably the most important is the, is the operations, day-to-day, grind-them-out operators. And Hank Kraft, in my opinion, is the best yeah. and, and that I've ever worked with. And we've been together 30, over 30 years. Yeah. Which has been quite a ride. How, I guess, how, how do you, you know, is, is Hank Kraft just someone that you just kind of met? Just came in, timing was right. You guys ran each other. How, how, do, you, how do you meet these we guys? We played softball together Okay. In, in high school. And then college, we played some softball too. We both worked at the, across the street. Okay. And I saw how hard a worker he was. And then when I when he heard I was opening up Cross Timbers, he came to me and he said, I'd like to be your kitchen manager. Yeah. 
and I, I didn't have one. And I, I had a guy named Mitch Seamus, who was the kind of the kitchen manager at the time. Hank learned a lot from Mitch, and then all of a sudden, the kitchen was his. And and I have never seen anybody more determined to get food out on time, <laughs> hot, yeah, and and keep his cool at the same time, dripping sweat, right. You know? And uh, I thought. He's going to be, I, I want him on my team and I want to be on his team. Yeah. And it's worked that way for a long, long time. And, you know, there was a period of time where he opened up another concept and we weren't together. But at, later on, when I became president of Steak and Ale, he came on as, as a new new concept development. Yeah. And he was head of that. And so we've been working together for a long That's time. That's really cool. And it's a brother. It's a brotherly thing. We're both, I'm one year older and but yeah. I, Hank and I are. You know, we, we kind of same size, same love, you know, have great families and, and we get along great. So. Yeah. And then David Brockman, uh, you know, when, when I started here, he was in Louisville. That's how I met him. Okay. His wife was my was my assistant for six years or seven, mm-hmm. you know, as long as I was there. And I got to know David and we'd go out and have lunch and, and he he became uh, you know, CFO of a company and yeah. we became real close. And then when I moved out here, he called me and he said, how would you like to have Vicky as your assistant and me as your CFO? <laughs> you get two and one. And I said, come on out. Yeah. And I, and I told him, I said, I'll give you a percentage of every store we open up. Not knowing we'd have, you know, right. 90 cents now, yeah. But uh, he did, and and thank goodness he did because it's he's been he's been the the guy that keeps he's the glue, you know. He, he, we, operators yeah. kind of have a tendency to get out there a little bit, not necessarily Hank, but a lot of us do, mm-hmm. I, including me. And 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 David has that vision of keeping people together, and and he if you want to do something, he'll tell you yeah. pitfalls, not 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 squelch your deal, but he'll tell you what you need to think about if you're going to do that. And so the legal side of it, he wears a lot of hats. So I'm mm-hmm. bringing him up and, and Hank and, and, and of course, Mike Rogers is head, head of all procurement and all pretty much the kitchen design for all of Hank's things. He's been around the block yeah. for a long time. So, and he came out of the Houston's group okay. a long time ago. So he had a good, good training ground. George Beal founded Houston's and it, it, Mike's been, been super. So yeah. the four of us, we don't have we don't we, we might disagree, but we all really really respect each other and have a, have a brotherly love for each other. It's it's pretty pretty special. Yeah. Um, you know, and and if if people ask me what what is the key, there you know certain things you learn in life and and you kind of grow up and go, what well, didn't I think of that before? But procrastination is the worst word in, in business mm-hmm. and if you have to make if it's a decision that needs to be made or something that has to be accomplished do it asap because if you don't the stress of everything piling up mm-hmm. of, of those kinds of things and procrastination i've i learned a long time ago if it's to be done do it and yeah. get it over with and uh that's one thing the other one is i mentioned a while ago is uh, delegation uh, to winners. You can't delegate to losers. You delegate to winners. And then you step back. I asked Norm Brinker one time, I said, what's your key to developing people? He mm-hmm. goes, well, first of all, you gotta, you have to identify who the winners are. Yeah. And you do the interview process three or four times. Really make sure as much as you can. Test them. Psychological testing. And we, we know what they're all about. And then he said, he said, it's like a racehorse. He said, once you find the right thoroughbred, you train, 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 train. The day comes, you put them on the track. You don't get in front of them. You get behind them. And if they kind of hit the rail, you pat them on the butt a little bit, get them, get them back yeah. out here. 
Never get in front of them and let them run. Let them take the rope. Let them take as far as they can. And if they need your input, tell them to come, come, come ask you. Yeah. Don't go to them and say, here, blah, blah, blah. do this. So yeah. that's, that's the kind of the culture we have is these guys are, these guys and gals are in important positions because they are winners. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just the way it is. So, you know, of all the things I learned, Norm, taught me that simple, yeah. simple concept. Don't try to do it yourself. When I was a general manager, I tried to do everything myself. I really did. I mean, I had a lot of good waiters and waitresses and bartenders, but I felt like if I wasn't there, the, the store wasn't going to be run right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a killer. It's a, a control killer. thing, I guess, yeah. just to it's, maintain the standard. And, you kind of want to do it yourself. And most people have that. Yeah. They don't know it sometimes, but most people have that. And it's hard to delegate and, and know that you spent the time training yeah. and, and you feel good about walking away. Yeah. So those are kind of some yeah. of the things. You no, know, it's, it's, it's and, and I love how you call like each individual has their own restaurant pods. I love how you say culture. Yeah. They have their own cultures. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, like I said, you've got to be a lover of people. It goes back to you loving people. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, making the right decisions and putting winners in, in the room. And when Norm said to you, you're going to have to fire people and you're going to know straight away yeah. and making quick decisions, right, not having to wait on it, that's – you know, it sounds like Norm was a hell of a guy. He he was uh, the mentor of all mentors, and mm-hmm. and he uh, he practiced what he preached. You know, he didn't say one thing and go do another. Yeah. And he was always there, support supporting, not leading, supporting as a chairman should. Yeah. And he was an orchestra orchestrator, and he coached coaching. Mm-hmm. And I learned I learned a lot. I learned everything I really know most everything I know from him. And yeah. unfortunately he died in a polo accident. I mean, he, he got critically injured in a polo accident, was in a coma for quite a while, came uh-huh. out and he, you know, he lived a few years and we would still have lunch together and everything. And that we kept in contact and he'd call me six o'clock in the morning, which was his standard, you know, and he'd go, yeah. how's it going, Hal? How's it going, <laughs> Hal? And, I, and I'll never forget those moments. So yeah. uh, whenever you have somebody like that that's a teacher and, and believes in you, mm-hmm. as a young guy, I mean, 33 years old, that's a that's real young. Yeah. Especially if I didn't have a college degree. I mean, you know, it, it still kind of baffles me a little yeah. bit. But it's it all worked, and, and the ride has been tremendous. It's been wonderful. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't change a whole lot, you know. Through, through the years. I, right. I still have that, as Norm said, don't ever lose that glimmer in your eye, you know, and that's the passion. Part yeah. It, you know? And you said, you know, you're, you're always in the restaurant from a really young age, busting tables, whatever it is from, you know, age eight. Does it, was it initially a love for food or was it initially a love for business and the hustle and bustle of how things come together? It's a combination. Yeah. It really is. I, I'm, I'm a foodie. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I know, I have a good palate. I really do for, for American. I don't have an exotic palate, right. but I kind of know what middle America and America is all about. And, uh, I like the food side of it. I also like the alcohol side of it mm-hmm. because the flair and the mixing of the drinks. And now that we have upper, uh, well, upper crust and neighborhood gym, the coffee side of it is really fun okay. to watch too. Those kids back there making the lattes and everything else they make. And, uh, so that part of it has always enamored me. The people side of it, I didn't realize at the time what it all meant. Right. But to see a team all of a sudden gel and a concept work, and the second one you open up, wow, it does work. Yeah. And then it's kind of like when Norman called me to ask me if I wanted to come over to Chili's, one of the things he said was, he said, 
we need to instill the culture that we built, steak and ale, instill it with the culture that Chili's has, because they had a great culture yeah. too. Together, we, it really was a, a wonderful thing to see. I, right. you know, I look back and I go, wow. It does. He said, I just want to see if it works. And I, it did. You yeah. Know? So, uh, you know, I, I, I think about life. I think about what would have happened if I hadn't chosen this direction. And uh, I can honestly say that, that uh, I made the right choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, without, without hesitation. It's, the hours are, are really, really difficult. And uh, especially back in those days, mm-hmm. you'd work 70, 80 hours a week and never think anything of it. Yeah. It's not, you can't do that anymore. And, and the, the, especially the younger generation coming up, they think of, of lifestyles more than, you know, how much money am I going to make? I want right. to be able to go enjoy myself, which is, I think is cool. Yeah. You know, I, did, I never really thought that as, as a real young uh, entrepreneur, but uh the now generation, and I, you know, you say millennials, you can say whatever you want. There, it's it's a it's a tough generation because their standards. I mean, they they have learned mm-hmm. a lot more than I learned at their age. I yeah, mean, a lot more, and uh, are cap- and they know what they're capable of. Now, some of them aren't willing to put in the effort. I got to say, mm-hmm. that's every generation. Yeah, you know, right. every generation. But the ones that do are the best. They are the best I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. They're so so brilliant and so with it. And that's why I'm trying to surround myself, like Norman did, with a lot of young people yeah. that bring a different view to the table. And keep if it I fresh. Don't, they'll leave me. They'll leave me in the dust. Yeah. Be fresh. Yeah. Be be with it. And we've got a couple other things on the on the drawing board. You know, we're working on now. My daughter Tracy is. Uh, well, my son was one of the co-founders of of the Garage. Okay. And there are 19 of those. I and love he, it. There. And he and that's a guy, great. he and Brandon Kistler, who I mentioned, is the operator. Uh, they were both the brains and the and the guts of of the garage, and this worked out wonderfully. And then uh, my my daughter Tracy has, I guess she has it in her blood too, because she just opened up the first franchised operation of Organic Squeeze. Okay. Organic Squeeze yeah. out of out of Nichols Hills, and yeah, that group, uh, Whitney McClendon and Robert Rhodes, are kind of the cohesive uh-huh. behind the first one. And then Tracy's opened up one here in Norman, and if this works, uh, we're going to open up. She's going to open up quite a few of them. Yeah. I think. So it's it's all in the family, you know. We we kept everything in the family, and I I love it. I, I know that they're working hard out there, and they're supporting right. their own family. You know. Uh, who's the best cook out of the family? My son. Yeah. Without a doubt, he's real yeah. gift. He really he he loves to cook, and no matter if it's on a grill or comes up with, he he's an Asian. He he lo- he loves the Asian food, and okay. the Asian flair, and so he's he's always you know doing the spicy Szechuan you know yeah. chicken and stuff. It's, it's so good. Tracy's got her own. She's more of a des- not a dessert, but she's more health health conscious. Okay. And by the way, I have a sweet tooth. You know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. How that goes together, it's kind of the way I am, really. Uh, and my wife, uh, you know, with all the restaurants we have, we very seldom cook. Right. You know, we're out eating yeah. every night. Yeah. And uh, I try to go to different restaurants and I try to, you know, I go mm-hmm. as a customer, not as president or chairman or whatever. I try to look at it as you would or anybody mm-hmm. else walking in. And, and uh, in so doing, I, I learn a lot. Instead of going in and trying to pick it apart, I try to find the good things that are happening and the, and the people that mm-hmm. are really excited about being a waiter or a bartender. And uh, 
talk to them and find out why why they're happy and why they're liking what they're doing. Right. So I still have my, I, I look at sales every day for all 90 store, 94 stores. Mm-hmm. And I look at the profit and loss statement every 30, every, we do it every four weeks. We put out a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet every four weeks for every restaurant. Yeah. And if you're an investor and we're making money, you get a check every four weeks. Instead of waiting until the quarter or waiting until the end of the year, uh, it's instant gratification if, mm-hmm. if it works. And most of them work real well. So uh, that's kind of the, the way we do it. And, and we've been able to attract some great investors along the way. Yeah. And most, most people that are in it uh, don't know a thing about restaurants except they know when it's good and when it's not good. Right. And that's, that's fine with me because they'll tell me, you know, it was great or it wasn't. And uh, it's, it's kind of the way we learn. But uh, overall, you know, I, I look at uh, competition and I don't worry about competition. You know, I'm, I've got a couple of instances right now where somebody's going to open up right down the street from me with the same kind of concept. I said, look, guys and gals, if you take your eye off what we're doing and worry about the competition, you won't make it. Yeah. And so always do better than you've done yesterday. Try to keep improving. And uh, so far, it's been we've worked you know, worked it that way, but there's a lot of competition out there. I tell you, the big the big hurdles, not hurdles, but the challenges, mm-hmm. uh, is is the workforce, the availability of labor, and all with all the competition uh, and the change of attitude toward hours. They won't work more than forty hours or forty five. Yeah. Then you have to hire more people. And the quality, you just, I don't know if it's out there for all the people right. that's required for our industry. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest hurdle. A challenge now, too, is so many people want um, um, delivery. They want their food delivered to their door, or they want to have the ability to pick it up without inconvenience. Yeah. They want it convenient now. And that's what we're working on right now. You know, you can you DoorDash and, and Uber Eats yeah. and all, you know, a myriad of things. Uh, we're, we're, we're finally figuring it out. And, and I would say before the next couple of years are over, I'd say 20 to 25% of our business will be either delivery or takeout. Wow. We already have some stores that are nudging that uh, 18, 17%, and uh, I don't see it going away. I really yeah. don't. So, you know, it, it, good or bad, it's it's kind of what what's happening out there. You, you sure don't want to build a huge restaurant right. knowing, knowing those facts. You know, you've got to, instead of a 7,000, you've got to slim it down mm-hmm. to five or four, and, and that's what we're trying to do and yeah. be as productive as we can. Yeah. Well, it's great. Like, like I said, you're in it all the time. You're looking at, you know, all the data so you can make these changes, you know, as soon as possible. Right. Uh, and, you, you know, you see it trending that way. You know, and I, like I said, the Uber stuff, you know, the DoorDash it's if it's slowly increasing and that's just how people want you know instant gratification don't don't want to wait the minute you know we, we wait a few more seconds for wi-fi and we get mad yeah. don't we yeah. so yeah that's that's really cool to see that and um you know it it's really interesting to because oklahoma city's food scene you know everyone talks about it growing over the last few years there's a lot more restaurant groups opening up and opening up concepts all the time uh, and you know you've been in this space for a very long time, and yeah. like I said, there's always competition coming, always, yeah. regardless of what industry yeah. you're in. It's uh, and I, I'd really like that you focused on Oklahoma and the surrounding states, you know, because in the positions that you were in growing up and in your leadership roles and all the stuff that you've learned, I mean, this you could have gone 
were Starbucks style, right? And Howard yeah. Schultz style and just gone, we want a store in every country, every city and yeah. kind of do it that way. Yeah. Um, I've been there, done that. Yeah. You know, with, with Chili's, we, we were international. I mean, yeah. Australia, we we're, you know, England, we were all over. And I, and I, it was, it was fine. It was good. But I wanted more personality in it, mm -hmm. you know. When you're stamping out a box, and I'm not saying there isn't personality there, but but what we do is personal. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And if there's a niche and a need, we try to fill it. Mm -hmm. And w sometimes we have two or three of our own restaurants right next to each other, but they all do different things, and they appeal to different day parts. They they appeal to different people. Yeah. So that's that that was our choice and we did it that way and it's worked so far and i appreciate that insight because yeah. definitely a choice you know that you have to make some people say i'm just going to open up one and and be fine and, th and they are i, I could never do that you right know, i could not uh if it i feel like if you're not growing you're going backwards you know and, and sometimes you, if you look at one restaurant and you grow year to year improve that's growth you know, more sales, consistency, more profits, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Or you add on the restaurant because you're doing so much business. Um, one, a couple of sayings along the way that, that stick in my head. Uh, one said, if you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I thought, I thought yeah, it kind of fits. Yeah, you know? that's, that's pretty and, true. Uh, what was another one? Another one was uh, a, a team is where uncommon people achieve no where common people achieve uncommon goals yeah and the team is is kind of what it's all about uh, you know mm -hmm. all the way top to bottom and attitudes in the restaurant start with myself and the founders and and all of us exhibiting what what we yeah. feel deep down and that and that's really has worked you yeah know? and you mentioned you know it's it's harder now to find labor right for people busting tables and yep. stuff like that but that's they're like you know that's the first people and the pe first faces that people come into contact with your restaurant yep. so those people have to be to the level that you want them to be right because you've been through that you need yep. to have that smiling greeting face and help you however way you can how is how is how is dealing with that you know having people who just they don't want to work more than 40 hours a week it's a tough job being on your feet all the time normally what happens is you you hire younger people for the front door Mm -hmm. for the host or the hostess and they're they're there because someday they're going to be old enough to serve a drink and be a waiter yeah. or a bartender and so you get some pretty sharp people at the front door that's the first and last okay. impression people get yeah so far we've been very fortunate in that and also we train 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 and mm -hmm. by the time you get through the training you're, you you don't want to go to another job because you've been trained you know and and you're making pretty good money uh Bussers are there because normally they want to be a waiter. Mm -hmm. you know, so, it, so it's kind of a progression. Once, once they're a waiter or waitress um, and they're successful, I've got, I've, got, I've got a gal here in Norman at Charleston who's been with us nearly 20 years waiting tables, still waits tables. Yeah. And she raised three or four kids during that whole process. And uh, I've got a lot of people like that. We don't have, if you look at the industry standard, our managers, once they get into management and they become a general manager, we don't lose them. Yeah. Very seldom do we lose them. And normally it's just through attrition. They had, you know, health problems or whatever. But we really have been able to keep the stability for the, for by and large, for all the, all the managers. And I'm uh -huh. talking about general manager level. Um, it's our job though to, 
spot the winners and and the losers. And yeah. if they're not going to make it, you got to let them know up front. They just don't have what it takes. And if they are, some some of our best tires, most of our best tires are internal. Mm. We'll see somebody that's really really good waiter or really really good bartender. And we go talk to them about what have you have you thought about what you're going to do after college yeah. or even now if they're out of college, and uh, we just had one guy that uh, he's he's a teacher, you know, and he just came to me one day and he said I'm I don't want to teach anymore I'd sure like to go to work and so we're putting him to work and yeah you know those kind of things and that's you just you keep your eye out for for the people that are, mm-hmm. you know are going to succeed no yeah. matter what they do, and it goes back to you know the people loving people and proving that you know. The stats don't lie. You know, you yeah. prove that people love to work here. You have a great culture. And, you know, it goes back to the days when, you know, you're in Detroit and, you know, you, your son's in the hospital and you're having some difficulties and you've got to pay for everything yourself. Yeah. And, you know, what Norm did for you that day, you know, that speaks to, every, like I said, everything that you do from there on. Yeah. You know, you always treat people with great respect, whatever they need. And, you know, that, yeah. that kind of gives you the culture you have. It's exactly right, and and it all started with Norm Brinker, yeah. and kind of his style. And I, I asked him point blank when I got when I got to the corporate office, I said, "Golly, I said, you know, in our restaurants and corporate office, you've got all these young people that you trust." And he goes, "Damn right." He yeah. goes, that, "He goes, those those are the people that'll push our company to the top." And uh, he said, "Don't don't ever be afraid to hire people that are younger than you are and yeah. smarter than you are." And I, I've really had that attitude and. You know, when I say love people, I I, I truly do. I, you mm-hmm. know, I truly have that passion in my my love and my heart for for people in general. Yeah. And, you know, like you, you, all you have to do is turn on the TV and and see what's happening in the world. And if we don't have a lot of people with that sparkle or that loving, uh, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so, it's it's sometimes demoralizing a little bit because you go, golly, what are they thinking? You know. Yeah. And then you and then uh, you you see the the new virus coming across. It's scary. It really is scary. Mm-hmm. But one of the, one of my philosophies is. Uh, don't worry about the things you don't have any control over. Think about them. Be concerned. What can I do to help? Blah blah blah. But in the end, you can't let it stack up. And yeah. there's a book that I read. I, I, you know, I love to read. And there's there's several books along the way when I was younger, a lot younger. This guy named Stephen Covey. He was a professor out of out of uh, <clears throat> out of uh, Brigham Young. Okay. He was Mormon. Had about eight kids, nine kids. Wonderful man. He used to come give his speech uh, and presentation and teach us yeah. about the whole about the whole person and how to be a better leader. And it, it, the, his book he wrote, he wrote several, but the one that was most impactful to me were the seven habits of a highly effective person. And, and to read that over and over, like I, like all, we all did, uh, it really is ingrained on the seven habits that you really have to have. Yeah. And then, uh, that, that was one guy. And then Ken Blanchard in those days had the one minute manager and that was kind of a, a, a neat twist on things. And I read, you know, I read that and it was good. Uh, couple other guys, you know, wrote books. There was a guy, I can't remember his first name, but the last name Nonkens. And he was a German fellow. And his, and his, and his, he, the name of his book was something like, Get the Monkey Off Your Back. Uh-huh. And it was so true what he was telling us. He came and gave a presentation. He said, how many people have, have people walking in their, in their office uh-huh. anytime and spilling their problems to you? Yeah wanting you to make the decision how to solve it. 
He said, get them out of there. He said, listen, say, now then, I want to hear what your decision is going to be. Here's my input. Right. Go make your decision. Don't ever let that monkey on your back. That was the whole, that was that book. And so, yeah. you know, you read all these things and, and uh, I just got through reading one, uh, golly, what was it called? I, uh, Shut Up and Listen. Yeah. And that's a good book. That's a real good book. The guy owns the Houston Rockets. And uh, he did it. He's that was a well written book, and it also very very yeah. timely. You know, this this a, a teaching of Stephen Covey was also seek first before being understood. Okay, and that if it's simple, but if you're trying to get your point across and you don't understand the other person's point of view, it it doesn't work. Yeah. So he said, sit back, listen, understand. The other person before you want them to understand you. Uh-huh. Big, big lesson to be learned, and I, I still don't. That's still hard. You know? Yeah, of course. Because I want to tell. I got my opinion, and I want. Yeah, yeah. It's my opinion, but um, the, you know, if I try to, I try to keep a balance in my life. Balance being three different things. One is me, which is physical and mental, and read. And I do the stock market. I keep every, I keep my mind going every day, try to do it as much as I can. Yeah. I try to keep in shape as much as I can. That's hard when you're in the food business. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I love wine. I drink wine, you know, but, yeah. but bottom line is if that temple is in good shape, you know, and you know where you are mentally and physically, yeah. and then your family's in good shape, you spend the quality time and you love each other. You really tell each other how much you love and how much you depend on each other. And you communicate that. If those two are in tune, your business world is going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So many people start with a business world and then this these two fall apart and then this falls apart. Right. I've just seen it happen so many times. I've tried not to do it and I've, you know... I think if I hadn't sh- shifted gears back in those days, I, w- I would have lost my wife and kids. And yeah. Would, to think about that, I've been married forty, be forty-eight years in in March. So, um, it's been a been a you know a long time, and and we are dear friends and still dear lovers and yeah. the whole deal. You know, it's just wonderful. But um, you have to you have to step back and go. What have I learned? What you know? Don't don't ever say I'm I've arrived. Right. You don't. Yeah. You don't ever arrive. And what can I do better for my family? What can I do better for me? And I'm always trying to. And my wife's always telling me what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. She she's got this thing pegged pretty good, and she's always saying, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, yeah, get back over here. You, you're getting getting too far out there," which I like. You know, yeah. I like somebody with a different slant on life, and and she is so. Uh, Sandy is her name, and she is so uh, buttoned up, and uh, she is so. Um, how do you say it? Everything she's so organized. Everything has its place. Yeah. And and I I'm not that way. I mean, <laughs> That's I, why you I knock everything each off other. the shelf and I drop stuff on me and everything. Yeah. And and people pick you know like David Brockman picks up the pieces as I go along. Well, she picks up the pieces on the family side yeah. and on my life. And uh, thank God I've got some people like that, that, that I, I get to look at the world as a vision right? And, and go for it like a big old bull in a china closet. And sometimes you knock dishes off the shelf and somebody catches them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't. <clears throat> but at least you have somebody that's paying attention, you know, and I, yeah. I've got several of those. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tit for tat, you know, because yeah. I've got some things that my wife is not that good at. And, and uh, you know, she's not necessarily the orator. 
but boy, she understands people and she reads people real quick and in her own way yeah. simulates that and, and knows who's good and who's bad, you know, who yeah. to hang with and who not to. And, uh, so anyway, it's been, a, it's been to me, one of the keys to where we are today is, is, is my marriage yeah. and my family and the fun we have. Is that where kind of the golf comes in? You guys play golf, a lot of golf together? We, we try to, I, I've had a shoulder problem and I haven't mm-hmm. been able to play, but I'm, I'm now over it, and I'm, I'm waiting on the weather. Yeah. I, we just got back from, like I said, from Phoenix, and uh, um, she played every day. Yeah. I, I didn't play. I was out there doing a little work, and I also went to the golf tournament and did some things. Yeah. And we went out to eat every night at some competition and and uh, kind of finding out what's going on. But, um, you know, if, if you if you kind of if you kind of look at what matters and what doesn't matter uh, – in life yeah um being able to wake up and and no matter what your success level doesn't matter people judge their own success differently everybody's Mm -hmm. different i look and i'm i'm happy with who who we are as a company and i'm happy with my family i'm happy with me yeah uh but not so happy that I don't really work. I'm competitive with myself, you know, and I want to, I want to, I want to win. Always striving to be better. Drive. I yeah. want to win. And winning is, is keeping, keeping care of, of everything, you know, yeah. keeping track. Uh, it's a motivator. I can tell you that. Yeah. So you uh, both had a lot of fun this weekend then, past weekend down in Arizona. We, we had so much fun. And that, and that tournament, that waste management tournament, I've never, there was 250,000 people at that one day. Yeah. And there were probably 15,000 on hole number 16. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be in a, in a suite, that, not suite, but it's outdoor. Yeah. But it, it's still, you get to look down and... and uh, it's a stadium, isn't it? It is a stadium. Yeah. It's, it's completely surrounded. And the, and, the, and the golfers walk through this little tunnel to get to the green. Right. And, uh, you know, if they don't hit the green, then, then they boo. You know, <laughs> it's part of, part of that the whole thing. But it's a lot of fun. Yes, we had, a, we had a great time. I wish I was still there. Yeah. You know, but I had to get back and talk to you. Well, I appreciate you coming <laughs> back. <laughs> um, is, have you ever thought about, I guess, playing in – is it quite hard to get into the pro-am down there? I assume it is. Have you ever thought about kind of pursuing that? No, I don't uh, – uh, uh, Toby Keith did it, yeah, and he's a partner of mine in, in a lot of these restaurants and some of the other things. Uh, haven't really done it. I, I've been in pro-ams. I did the pro-am at Colonial in, mm-hmm. uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth. I did that yeah. several years, and I really enjoyed it. I did it at Los Colinas one year. I uh, did it at uh, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the country club there. They had a big tournament every year, and I, I got to play with some really, really neat pros. Yeah. Uh, but I've never thought about the one. I don't even know if I'd want to. Yeah, I don't think I could put my bull on the tee bag no, on I mean, 16. I, you, know, you get nervous, I, especially if you're not a real good golfer. Yeah. You know, they'd be booing me to death. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hit it a long way. I just never know where it's going, you know, one of those kind of deals. Yeah. But uh, I love golf, and we try to – when I'm playing, we're, our favorite is Sunday afternoon. You okay. Know, just go out for – if it's an hour, great. If it's four hours, great. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's the best time. Because a lot of if you start at two and you end at five and and five or six, right? And nobody's out there. It's it's special. Yeah, know? yeah. And uh, obviously a big OU fan. Grant, you know, been I went am, to OU for I a bit. Am, one of the reasons I moved back to Norman, it, it wasn't my 
I thought Sandy was going to go, let's go to Dallas, okay, because we had a lot of fun there. She goes, why don't we move back to Norman? Because I call Norman home. She calls Norman home. Yeah. And we were both born other places, but we spent all most of our lives here. And uh, I, the minute I got back, I, I tried to become part of the university. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, we give time, we give food, we give money, and we, we're big supporters of the athletics. Uh, I've gotten to know Bob Stoops real well, Lincoln Riley real well, Lon Kruger, Sonny Galloway when he was here, Kelvin Sampson, and Joe Castiglione of all yeah. of them. You know, he's been so nice and such a great breath of fresh air for, for a university like Oklahoma. He's made some wonderful hires. And I have, I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to meet these people as they came on board. Yeah. Joe would set me up and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, you know, Bob Stoops is a big investor of ours. And, yeah. And his sidekick, Maddie McMillan, is a big investor. And you know, a lot of them, a lot of them were. I don't think you, they'd mind me saying that because mm-hmm. it's been fruitful. Right. I mean, it's been yeah. successful. Um, but I, I have really enjoyed being part of the university. And I get, you know, I was given uh, an award uh, not too long ago by Lincoln Riley, and, and it was called the, the Seed Sower. Okay. And it's the guy, I don't know if you've ever been on the campus, but it's a guy throwing seeds to plant the crop. Yeah, and that's got a, they got a huge bronze statue of him on there. Well, they gave me a bronze statue about that big, you know, and it uh, very very, it was caught me off guard. And and uh, as uh, my contribution, they said for your contribution to the university, and and uh, yeah, I brought some real tears to my eyes, you right? Know? But I've loved OU since I was a little kid because my father would take me to the ball games down in Dallas. We'd go to Texas OU when I was a little bitty boy, five yeah. years old, six years old. We'd ride the train down there and go to the game and get on the train and ride back. And, and I, those were wonderful days. So I never lost that, that love. It's kind of like soccer for you, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I don't know if you're a big soccer fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. growing up, yeah, it's life back in the, in the UK for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, once it's there in your blood, it, it is. Uh, I still, I still uh, and some of my friends will boo me on this one, but I, I'm a big fan of OSU. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we gave a substantial contribution to their hotel and restaurant school. And uh, Mike Gundy and I have become friends. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mike Holder stopped by and introduced himself. He's the athletic director. So, uh, and, and, and an investor. I mean, you know, he's, yeah. Mike, Mike's mm-hmm. an investor. So, all of it's worked out, and I root for OSU. As long as they're not playing OU, I'm a big OSU fan. Yeah. And uh, uh, Texas, I'm not going to say too much. About. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that. But, I mean, they've, like, you know, especially recently with golf, you know, OSU won a couple of years ago, yeah. and then OU won, you know, a couple of years before that. It's, yeah. you know, it's it's great to have that golfing history as well in, in the state, especially, yeah. you know, you have Matt Wolf, you have Hovland, um, you know, Quade Cummings is coming up from OU. Abraham, Abraham Anser, the who graduated from OU, is yeah. doing very, very well. Um, as a golfer myself, like it's it's great to see that, isn't yeah. it? Great to see them. You know, we do had so a, well. we had a great golfer here too that was on the national championship, uh, Anthony Kim. Yeah, and he and I have become friends. Good okay, friends. I used to play poker with him. I used to do some things, and then I was going to be an investor in one of his projects, and that that didn't happen. Yeah, but still might, but. Uh, 
that was a loss to the golf world that he oh, dropped yeah. out of golf because he could have been, you know, he knows it too. He could have been a, but he got hurt, got injured, and couldn't play much. And, yeah. Uh, but I, that's you're right. OSU was there was the the main golf school for years and years and years, yeah. and they they still have a good team, you know, most times. And then OU same way. OSU used to be the basketball king. I mean, for years and wrestling. Yeah. They still are wrestling. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're top of the world. OU gymnastics. There's not many people beat OU in gymnastics. Yeah. So people forget about those sports, but we, we do win national championships. Mm-hmm. Tennis, we won a national championship a couple of years ago. So, uh, but anyway, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I keep up with all all the OU doings, you know. Yeah. Do you still go to OU Texas every year? No. Uh, about five years ago, I realized I'd been 30-something times. And uh, <laughs> my wife, we have, a, we have a little cabin at Lake Texoma, uh-huh. which is halfway in between. So we, we installed a TV. Uh, we get in the pool, heat the pool, get in a hot tub or whatever yeah. it is. TV drops down and we're right Best there. Best place to see oh, it. It's, it's awesome. I don't yeah. have to worry about traffic or anything else. So we, that's what we do every yeah. year, you know. That's great. And normally, it's pretty good weather, and and we play golf, you know, yeah. on the other days. But uh, going down there is fun, and, and it, you know, it, it was a ritual, a habit, I guess, a ritual. And then all of a sudden, I woke up and I went, "It's not as fun as it used to be." You know, you got old or something. Stuck in like traffic that. and all yeah. the rest of it, more yeah. of a hassle than than a, you well, know, especially eleven o'clock game on Saturday after a Friday night party. Yeah, it's not fun. It's a sore head, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> sitting there in a hundred degree weather, sweating, you know. Yeah. Quit being fun. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for just the time, the stories that you have. I'm sure you have a lot more, uh, and hopefully one day we'll get to those as well. Um, I noticed you were inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. I was. That was that was the thrill. Yeah. Uh, uh, when they called me and told me that I was being nominated, and it wasn't a for sure thing, and I uh, that was enough for me that yeah. I'd be considered. And then when I found out. Lee Allen Smith called me and, and uh, said, you're, you're in. And uh, Lee Allen and I have been friends for, gosh, 50 years. Yeah. And he's the number one fundraiser in Oklahoma, at least in my opinion. And uh, when, when that all happened and then Barry Switzer introduced me uh, and, I, and I got to share a little of my story and my background of Oklahoma and my love for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, quite a special time. It really was, you know, I, yeah. I can't tell you enough. It's, I still, I still step back and go, did that really happen? Right. More than anything in my life, did that really happen? Yeah. And, uh, it did. So anyway. Yeah. Just from growing up in Ardmore and yeah. coming all this way. And now, like I said, you, you make that list and, Doesn't you know, better. it's, it's impressive. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, the growth that's coming, you know, like, kids new concepts that are opening up yeah. right you know all these things um hopefully one day i'll get to taste some of the food that uh, your son cooks because if he's the best one then i gotta try some of that i'll put you on my list for being a taste tester i would right? love to do that <laughs> yeah, Sign yeah. Me up. we do we do a lot of that and, yeah. and uh, i need people that are excuse my tear i teared up a little bit uh, we have a lot of people that come in for, I'm going over and tasting hamburgers tomorrow at El Huevo, which is our Mexican slash American and, uh, going over there for a taste test tomorrow. And, but I always try to get people that are unrelated to the restaurant industry sure. that give me their true feedback. Yeah. You know? So if you're ever available, I'll, I would love I'll, that. I'll send, I'll send you an invite and you can come in. That'd be great. Cause uh, that's some of the fun times is getting it ready, getting it to the point that we know it's going to work and, yeah. and ship it out. Yeah. You know? Well, um, like I said, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. You um, 
excited to see what's, you know, what's coming, you know, there's, you've done so much, but I'm sure you have so much that you plan to do and so much more that you want to do. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's tr golf trips that you want to go on yeah. and, and places you want to play. So really thanks for your time. And I'll post to everyone listening. I'll post all the links below and links to Hal's website. Um, is there anything I guess that you would say to any young person that's wanting to get into the industry? Yeah. What would be the best thing for them now? Uh, the best thing is don't be afraid to work. I mean, you've got to pay the price yeah. to, to be successful. And a lot of people don't do that. They don't, they think it's going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You look, they, they look at me and go, wow. You know, this, and I'm saying it's 50 years. You know, yeah. It's been in the, in the making for 50 years. And so I try to, I try to say, yes, you can accomplish. Yes, you can be whatever you want to be, but it will take a lot of hard work, right. a lot of determination, a lot of ups and downs. And uh, that's the main thing. It's not, it's not a rose in the sky. It's not a cherry pie. It's, yeah. it's real life, you know. And, uh, but if you do have that passion, you do have that love, and you do learn, you can be whatever you want to be in this business. You know, yeah. you really can. And there, there's always, I mean, what's happening now, and I, I, how much time you have, but what's happening now is health. I mean, so many of these young people especially yeah. are, are really working out a lot more than, than the older generation did and eating better, trying yeah. to eat better. And uh, it's got like organic squeeze. I mean, you know that. And then I went to a, I went to a I'm put a plug in for my competitor, but but in, in uh, I just went to a concept in Phoenix uh, called uh, Flower Child. Okay. And it's and uh, you know for whatever it's worth that that's a that's kind of where it's happening. Yeah. And it's a fast casual, healthy foods. And uh, I I ate four or five different items: tomato toast, and I I, I, I could name them all. Yeah. Cauliflower, curry. Uh, so anyway. That is happening out there, and if people are, are wanting to get into a new segment, yeah. it's pretty new. It really yeah. is. Not not overbuilt, and, and if you do it right, it, it can be successful. Uh-huh. And, and to that point, we've had, you know, kind of like the increase of, you know, plant-based food, right, yeah. and vegan diets yeah. and all these other, you know, vegan diets or what, whatever it is. Um so I'm sure that for you as a research point is great to look into that new market. And there's obviously a lot of opportunity there as well. Yeah, yeah, there so. really, really are. And, and it's changing every day. It, it, it is. And this plant base is is real. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was a fad at first. And now no, it's not. I mean, all you have to do is look at Beyond Meat yeah. and see what their stock's doing. I mean, it's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a real need out there. There's a real niche out there. It hadn't gone as crazy as... Uh, Tesla. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, true. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's been a surprise. Yeah. Uh, not really. I own a Tesla. It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, the best car I've ever had. I, I, I love American cars, but yeah. if you're going to go something other than American, that's, that's electric is, is uh, pretty special. Yeah. It really is. Is there anyone, I guess, like, a, you know, Norm was such, such an inspiration and such a mentor of yours. Where else do you look for inspiration and mentorship? You know, you said you read every day and that, that reminded me of, you know, Warren Buffett reads every day and he's always yeah. doing that. Is yeah. there anyone else you really kind of look to? Um, at my age, it's diff different. Yeah. At my age, I, I say to myself, if I don't kind of know what's going on and know what philosophy I have and yeah. Know what my faith is. No, you know, I know my hot buttons and more than anybody else. Right. And, and as long as I, I stay in tune with reality, 
uh, reading is my answer. Yeah. There are some people out there. I mean, I can name off people right now in my industry that I like to emulate. I'm not going to tell them who they are, <laughs> yeah. but, but I do. I watch yeah. them. I watch them on the internet. I watch what they're doing. I watch the new concepts and, uh, we go visit and yeah. we get ideas and we come back and try to make it a little different, a little better or whatever. Uh, so I can name off some names that are, that are not necessarily mentors, but are in my book, top of the class. Yeah. And there are four guys that I have right now that I, I just, I watch everything they do. Yeah. That, that's kind of how I grow and how I, how I get better. Uh-huh. Uh, I also have two or three buddies that we grew up in the industry together, Chris Sullivan being one, that uh, from time to time we'll, we'll hook up and or get on the phone and what do you, how do you see the world today? You know? yeah. And, and uh, they always come at it a little differently than I do, but, but truthfully, that's what right. their take is. And, and that's always inspirational. You know? Yeah. I know that they're still clicking, they're still working it, and we're all about the same age and yeah. still, still at it. Is there anything that like, you know, and I, Gary Keller wrote a book, you know, the one thing, right? And you just pick one thing and you just, that's all you do. You go at it with everything you have. And that's kind of what you've done with the restaurant industry. Is there anything that just piques your interest that you would have, that you got into or or are you just happy to just do that one thing and stick to restaurants? Other than restaurants? Yeah. Um, Anything that just sparks? You know. I would have, <laughs> I would have loved to have been a professional athlete. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I played ball, played football, basketball, golf, you know, whatever, yeah. ran track, and I and I and I always thought, you know, it, I, the reality was I wasn't near good enough to do it. And mm-hmm. I and thank God, the other thing I really would, I, I love to sing, okay, and play a guitar. All right, and I I I've got two guitars in my office, and I, people aren't around. I pick them up and yeah. play, and and I. I at parties, you know, they'll ask me to sing a couple of songs. And I do Roy Orbison and Rolling Stones and all that kind of, okay. you know, that that genre. Yeah, and uh, uh, that's fun, you know. So if I could have been, a, you know, professional yeah. singer, uh, it would have been. I, and I watched Toby. Toby's Toby, you know. And there's nobody like him. But yeah, but uh, I watch I watch him and I know him pretty well. And I I go golly. I see the good things, and then all of a sudden I realize he's got to get on a plane every dead game week and yeah. go sing somewhere. Same songs. Same songs, yeah. Over and over. That would I don't know if I could do it, but yeah. he's he's really good at it. I gotta gotta give it to him. Plus he's made a hell of a living. I mean, you know, it's people yeah. love him. You know, so uh, that those are the two things, you okay. know. So far as going to work and nine to five job, nah. Nah. And that's yeah. not me. Would you go on stage with him if he asked you to? Yeah. Yeah, and play? I would. Yeah. Play yeah. play the guitar for I him. I would. I'm afraid he might. <laughs> He's gonna <laughs> no, no, hopefully he hears, hears this He's one day. smarter than that. Yeah. But we sang we sang Pretty Woman together one time at a, at a restaurant. And I also got to, got a chance to sing with Vince Gill one time okay. at, at a at a party. Yeah. Pretty Woman. And uh, Roy Orbison's got a high voice, and I I have a tendency to be a higher voice. Okay. And and Toby looked at me like. Where is that coming from? Where is that from? coming you know, from? And, and so did, as a matter of fact, Vince Gill said something to me. And he goes, yeah. I should have known better to get this. I, I wanted an auction, a time, yeah. uh, a DVD right. with, with Vince Gill. So he said, what do you want to sing? Thinking I'm going to say a Vince Gill song. I said, pretty woman. He he went, here we go. You know, so we started singing. Afterwards, he said, I should have known better than bringing an Okie up here to sing. He goes, everybody in Oklahoma can sing. You know, yeah. so. But it's been it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. That's There's fantastic. David Brockman right there. He's yeah. my partner. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, those are the two okay. things, you know. And I, 
Would I? Yeah, I'd be fun. Do you try to go to a lot of live music shows? I do. I went to, I'm going to the Eagles down in uh, Dallas uh, in March. I just went to, uh, uh, well, I actually I was going to see Miranda Lambert in, in Phoenix. I didn't get a chance to do it. But I, I go to a lot of a lot of uh, concerts. Yeah. You know, I've seen you know a lot of country and western too. I saw George Strait the other night. That was in Las Vegas, and that was he's special. Yeah, he has sixty number one songs. You know, and he sang a lot of them. Right. Uh, I got to see Michael Jackson when he was alive. Uh, I had a chance to see the Beatles, and I didn't take it. I should have. You oh, looking yeah. back, I didn't think the Beatles were going to be anything. Yeah. And uh, but I saw, I saw Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. You know, I was that was in 1971, and uh, it's a funny story on that one. I, I was working short time. I worked for Coca Cola. Okay, I was in their training program, going to be a manager of a Coke plant. Yeah, because yeah, a friend of mine, Steve Brown, his dad, but on the Coke plant. So I had I had a uniform, green pants, green stripe shirt, Coca Cola. So I I was back home visiting my mother and dad and. And I'm sitting there watching TV. I said, Elvis Presley's playing at the fairgrounds in the 10,000-square-foot uh, stadium. And I went, I went, boy, I'd like to see him. And I thought, I'm going to try something. <laughs> so I put on my Coke uniform, <laughs> and I got a brown sweater. Yeah. And I put it underneath my arm, and I knocked on the door, you know, delivery door in the back. And I'm ringing the doorbell, and this yeah. guy comes up. He goes, yeah, can I help you? And I go, Coca-Cola, I just got a phone call, and I'm supposed to cook, fix your Coke machine. I'm lying, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, yeah. I thought, wow, this might work. And he goes, yeah, come on in. Well, he was busy, so I just walked he right through care, the kitchen, yeah. went to the bathroom, put on a brown sweater over my Coca-Cola shirt, found a folding chair right outside the kitchen, carried it down the hallway, put it at the top of the stairs, and oh, sat there and watched all his He had a white jumpsuit. Uh, Real big man. Oh in, yeah. In those days, he was he was way overweight. Still, still sounded good, and the women are still screaming, you know, yeah. and all that. But that was that was a thrill. Yeah, I, I like live shows. Yeah. So I, I know before we started recording, you meant you know you mentioned Tom Jones. Yeah. Did you ever see Tom Jones sing? No, I never did. No. I, I, I was in Vegas uh, uh, working for a while, and yeah. Tom Tom played Has his there, residency, uh-huh. and I never never got a chance. Yeah. I wish I had of. Doggone it! Yeah, I, I, I did see uh, Celine Dion uh, the other day, not the other the other year. Yeah, and uh, she was great. Uh, but Tom Jones, I've always liked his music, and he was always he had the girls screaming. He was the ladies' man, right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. You've had a lot of talent come out of Wales. It's, yeah, there's, you know, there's some it, talent. Yeah, some it, actors and yeah. a lot of singers. Where, where's the uh, the guy that's got the heavy beard? Not heavy beard, but He's, you can tell if it grew out a lot, it would really be heavy, isn't it? Uh, Golly. I'm trying to think. I don't know he, if he's from Wales. Is he an actor? No, he's, I'm sorry, he's from Ireland. Who is that? Uh, I, I can see him right now. He was, just on, he was just on TV at a talk show. He was on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, I can't remember yeah. his name. If I heard it, I'd say yes. But anyway, thinking he was from Wales, he's got that. Got a pretty heavy accent, uh-huh. though. Um, Shirley Bassey was from Wales. She's a singer. She? Really? Shirley Bassey, yeah, she's a no, singer. I never knew that. Uh-huh. I thought she was an American. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and then, I mean, the internet's telling me that Roald Dahl was one as well. Who? Roald Dahl. I guess he's a, the writer, Roald Dahl. Yeah. He was Welsh. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, people I didn't even Cam- know were Catherine Welsh, Zeta right? Jones Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Was he from Wales? Another Welsh one, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the greatest actors ever. Very, very good. Um 
yeah, it's uh, and now you have me talking about Oklahoma. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> right. you, Not that I'm on that list. Citizen, I am. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I married uh, married my beautiful wife here. She grew up here, and um, she actually worked for Outback. Okay. She worked. She went to Norman. She went to OU for a year and worked down at one of the stores down there. Uh, so it would have been 2012, 2013, maybe. Twelve and thirteen, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I'd already sold them. Yeah, yeah. She was down there. I think there. I sold them in uh, in ninety uh, four, probably ninety eight, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. Is uh, I mean, for you, what's next? What, what what's? Well, you know, uh, for me, keep on keeping on and yeah. and and cultivating someone to step in my place mm-hmm. and really really take it and run with it. And I've already had the, you know. People been grooming people up. to do yeah. it. Yeah, I don't do any more than I want to right yeah. now. I, honestly, I've got a you know I got a home in Phoenix and a place in, in Colorado, Lake Texoma, and here, and we like to we like to have our time and yeah. get away. And and uh, a lot of times, just Sandy and I get away, you know, because mm-hmm. it's get away from the hustle and bustle. But uh, what's next is I like to, I just like what I'm doing, and I like it even more now that I've got people that if I'm here great if i'm not no big deal yeah and that's a good feeling you know yeah i was gone five days nobody even knew i was gone you know <laughs> yeah and, and this quite honestly that this office is not conducive to an open air right office it's a lot different but it's going to take me a little while to get used to yeah you've been in here what since two or three weeks right Hasn't yeah, been long. yeah we don't have any pictures we don't have any decor yeah. or anything yet i'm still waiting on my desk you know so yeah but uh, I'll take when you get through. I'll take you and show you what, where my office mm-hmm. is. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It's beautiful, but it's not not open. You know, yeah. and I, I kind of met. I'm gonna have to make a point to go around and visit all the offices every week. Just For sure. make a tour. How y'all doing? You know, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. I had a girl stop by. Mandy stopped by while I go, and she said, "I don't see you anymore." You know, and because yeah. I used to walk by her office every day and and say hello and. And uh, without that, I've got to make an effort to yeah. keep it going. Yeah. I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, do you have anything that's just like a prized possession? Do you have anything that stands out? Wow. Anything um, that, I mean, it doesn't have, it, it's just, just personally to you, it's a... Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in the rock and roll era, and I, I collected guitars. Mm-hmm. And I've got a real Roy Orbison signed guitar. I've got a real Eric Clapton signed guitar i've got a real i've got toby and vince yeah. and reba all different guitars i've got the rolling stones when they played here personally signed a wow. guitar for all four of them yeah and that that plus the roy orbison so far as possessions go i'm proud of that you yeah because i actually you know they actually signed it you know yeah and, and so many of them are counterfeit you know you, you don't know these mm-hmm. these definitely are because uh, I'd hand them to them, you know. That's and, the thing. You have that memory of going back there and being yeah, in that moment and yeah. watching them hand sign your guitar. You yeah, know, actually, guitars, Steve yeah. Owens was the guy that got it signed for me, so yeah. I have to give him That's credit. That's awesome, he, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Great. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, great to meet you. Glad we could do yeah. this. And uh, hopefully one day, if shoulders improves, we can, we can hit the golf course. And you're going to taste my food. And I'm going to taste the food <laughs> for sure. So thank you, bud. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Hal's got an amazing story. Um, clearly loves his music as well. And uh, the Elvis story is pretty awesome too. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you as you know, like Hal's done so much for the 
for the state, um, you know, continues to do so much for the schools, Oklahoma State, and, and obviously a huge fan of OU as well, living in Norman and, and having his office in Norman. So um, definitely go over. I'm sure you've eaten at his concepts before, but now at least you know a little bit of uh, a little bit more about the story, a little bit more context. And I mean, everyone I've spoken to that, that's worked for him in the past or continues to work for him just, just loves being there and, and loves that they promote from within. So definitely worth going and checking him out or checking out his new concepts that are coming out Uh I'll definitely tell you how the taste food tasting is going to go. Uh, really excited about that. And yeah, hopefully I get to play golf with him one day. I'll definitely update you guys on that as well. So don't forget this episode, thankfully, to my new partner, was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoman's story through its people since 1927. Go follow them on Instagram. It's got some amazing information, a lot of cool, uh, a lot of cool up-to-date stuff. They're always posting information on uh, you know, Hall of Famers and, and events and stuff like that. And great wedding venue as well. So go follow, follow them on Instagram at Oklahoma HOF and then on the website for a lot more information, OklahomaHOF.org. Thanks very much and we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.